Well, you guys have been so good to us. Um, we, this last Tuesday night, we filmed our 65th sermon or, or worship service. How awful would it be if we just came and filmed sermons? But it was um, 65 worship services in a row. And you guys have welcomed us in here like family. We've been here since the middle of last March. We're so thankful. Um, you guys have treated us well. And we use all of your stuff and you just let us use it like it's ours. Thank you. So we love you all. Uh, we have a reader, um, I believe, Kaylee. All right. Uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudodia and I entreat Synecdoche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we come to you now as, um, as folks with all different kinds of stories, all different journeys. Um, we have different issues, many of us, but we all share several things, but it, the two for sure, we're, we're created in your image and we are all in desperate need of Jesus. Would you show us that and that you have come to heal us, show us that our need for Jesus and that we would run to him today. It's in his name I pray, amen. Now imagine this part right here, kind of like Jeopardy. Beyonce, Madonna, Cher, Euodia, Syntyche, Pink. What, what's the answer to that? Well, it's, it's women who are known by billions and they have one name. Two of them because, you know, they don't have last names back when this was written, Euodia and Syntyche. But these ladies that are mentioned here are known by the church for 2,000 years now. And we're going to talk today about conflict and division, uh, relationship dis disintegration, relationships falling apart, and what Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is enlightening him and giving him the words, how he leads his church to um, to embrace in, in, in conflict and how to act in conflict. I have a friend who has been recently hurt by their church. Um, about two months ago, started posting on Facebook just how they feel. Not a ton of detail about what it was that happened. It, it's pretty clear that it's not abuse, uh, but definitely hurt by their church. And it's not clear that there was any attempt for kind of conflict resolution, uh, re you know, restoration, kind of pressing in and trying to find healing and trying to actually be restored. 
Uh, but this, this guy has taken a scorched earth policy, man. <laughs> I mean, he hates that church, it seems. And it's so sad. And it's gone from just that church where there's, there's real pain and real hurt. So I'm not diminishing that. I, I'm not minimizing that. Real pain, real hurt. But now it's being kind of projected that, that like all churches, you know, all churches are like the one that I just experienced. And here we are, we get to the close of Philippians and, and we're used to Paul not dropping bombs like this at the end of a passage, at the end of a book, of a letter, and then not taking time to explain it. It's two verses. And it is, many people believe that this is what the letter is about. This right here, this Euodia and Syntyche, that, that they have this conflict in relationship and, and they are pillars of the church. Um, it's very likely that they were part of the church planting team. Paul goes there and he meets Lydia and these women who would gather down by the river and they become a core group leaders in the church, and it's very likely they were there from the beginning. And here they are, these two women who are so key to this church even existing. And Paul calls them and to say, you've got to do something about this. You have to press in. Many commentators believe that if these two women were not mentioned, that the church who no doubt would have known about their relational dysfunction, that the church might have been thinking, what about Euodia and Syntyche? I mean, Paul didn't even mention them. That, that it shouldn't be a shock to anyone. They wouldn't have been shocked that this is a conflict in the church and that Paul would mention this and say something has to be done. It's not as if this is the first time Paul's mentioned that we need to agree in the Lord that we need to be on the same page throughout this book. And it's the reason most people think this is kind of the key thing is that in chapters 1, 27 through 30, which you guys looked at a few months ago, and then chapter 2, 1 through 5, Paul is saying, be in agreement, be steadfast, have unity. Be, up, be alongside one another, be connected and unified Stand together, have solidarity. And Paul here is not trying to embarrass them. We know he's not trying to injure them. He's just said, I love y'all. I love you passionately. It's almost, it, it's really odd in the English especially that he loves them and then he calls them his beloved. And he just is like overflowing with his affection for them. So, we know that he's not trying to hurt them, not trying to embarrass them. He's not trying to take a cheap shot. He's not trying to manipulate them, get leverage on Euodia and, and Syntyche. We've kind of called them out. You know, now they've got to fly right. We've got to get this thing figured out. And here they are, these two women who have fought the good fight with Paul. Now, Paul is someone who's, you know, keenly aware of what it is to go through relational dysfunction. Remember, he and Barnabas split up. <laughs> so it's not like Paul's saying, look, I've never failed in this area. He's not saying that. 
They all probably know the story of how he and Barnabas parted ways. They, they had this huge conflict and it, it, it drove them apart. So Paul is not coming to them as if y'all are the problem. No one else is, struggles with this issue. He's not saying that. They've been unified and in one accord before. They've been on the same page with the same purpose. And Paul is saying, get back there. Come back to that place. Work through this conflict. And this conflict, it's not just affecting them. And it's not just affecting, you know, the uh, group that live in Philippi that are called the church there. It's affecting the entire gospel message going to the city. Paul is saying, you know, like the, the gospel's at risk here. There are people in Philippi that need to hear about Jesus. And when Jesus says, you're to be known by my love, what you're becoming is known, known by your divisiveness. You're being known by your conflict. Sisters, brothers, Let's work through this conflict. Let's have restoration. Jesus says we should be known by our love, not by being the smartest in the room, not by winning arguments, not by proving your point, not by getting your way. Their conflict is tearing at the very fabric of the family of God. To be a brother and sister in Christ is more powerful it's mysterious, I grant you that. It's more powerful and meaningful than your birth parents, your birth brother and sisters. You and I are united together. Even though I go to a different church, pastor, a different church, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus. Some commentators say this is fratricide when we decide I'm not gonna unite with you. I'm gonna treat you as if you don't exist that we would rather just have a brother or sister disappear than to press in and work, be unified, and work through a conflict. We're far too familiar with conflict, aren't we? Have, have you guys been through it in churches? I know you've been through it. You're human, and we're all human. So if you've been in church very long, you've probably experienced this. Some of you, sadly, you've got very hurtful things in your life. You've suffered. That's real. Real pain. We have divisions also, though, that over jealousies, over thinking that we've been wronged, perhaps. Kind of slights. We, we just don't like the way things are going. We don't like the things that you do during worship. And so here in Nashville, we've got this opportunity. Man, if I don't like it here, I don't like those people here, I can just go to another great church. Right? And we just move along. And Paul's saying, oh, no, don't do that. You're a body. You belong together. Work through the conflict. Work to be unified. We shouldn't be surprised that we have this because we are human beings. We are all sinners. A church is made up of sinners in desperate need of Jesus we don't come here because we're good enough. We come admitting we're bad enough to be here and need Jesus. That's what the gospel is. So, of course, we hurt each other. Of course, we have conflict. How could we not? 
I had a friend who told me that if you're not regularly apologizing, you are not being honest about your life. <laughs> you're living in a dream world. Of course we have conflict in our homes, with our friends, and here at church. Don't you wish that Paul maybe here had said what was wrong? You know, today we've got, we've got churches splitting over all kinds of things, having conflict over all kinds of things. I mean, it kind of seems like small things, insignificant things, like who you vote for. We have Christians literally who are like, can you seriously be a Christian and vote for a Republican? And then people on the other side, like, can you seriously be Christian and, and vote for a Democrat? And we split over those things. We have conflict over those things. We fight over those things. We have friends that we, I mean, I've, I've had it in my life where I'm like, I don't know that they're friends anymore. And these are brothers and sisters in Jesus. Oh, it breaks his heart. We have conflict over things like a vaccine. My goodness, we prayed for a year. Lord, deliver us. Lord, bring healing. Lord, bring a light to the end of the tunnel. Lord, help the scientists. Boom, he gives us one. And we're like, some people are angry that you don't go get it. Some people are angry that you do. Like, what are you doing? And now I'm, I'm actually for going and getting a vaccine. So I'm not gonna act like I'm just neutral here. So I just need to be honest about that. But we will divide over anything, it seems. And it hurts the body. When I read the posts about this friend's church, it, I kind of found myself wanting to know more information. <laughs> like, tell me more. It's like here in this passage, it's kind of like, Paul, give us more. Tell us the, the juicy stuff. What's really wrong with them? And it's this really strange kind of thing that I know that goes on in my heart when I do that. It's like, if I can just figure out what their problem is, as long as I avoid it, I'm okay. It's a very legalistic approach to avoiding conflict. I become that Pharisee. Well, at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not having conflict over that issue. I mean, bad people have conflicts over those kinds of issues. Silly people have those. And so Paul, he doesn't give us a bunch of information here. He just says, there is a conflict. And in some way, he's saying, both of you are wrong. He doesn't say who's the most wrong. He doesn't say who started it. <laughs> he doesn't say, you know, I really dislike what you did more than what they did. No, he says, both of you are wrong. Come together, work this out. This conflict needs to be restored. You need to be restored it's almost certainly not a doctrinal issue, some theological issue like who Jesus is or how we get saved. If it was something like that, Paul would have dived in and it wouldn't just be tagged on at the end of the, the letter. He would have spent a lot of time unpacking who Jesus is if that's what the squabble was. No, that's not that. And it's not blatant sin. It's not like some immoral life. If one of them was sleeping around on their husband, don't you know that Paul would have said, hey, Syntyche, stop sleeping around on your husband. That's the problem. No, we don't know what it is, but it's interpersonal relationships. Something has these two skewed. Something has run them off the rails. What we need to hear is the unresolved conflict and division 
is not the way of Jesus. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that Jesus calls us to love and walk alongside one another, not to just tolerate some thinly veiled, almost hatred, like I'll just put up with you. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to deep, affectionate love where we come alongside one another and we're on the same page with the same purpose. That's where he's calling us. And Paul is urging them, for the sake of the very gospel, do this. My goodness, we have conflict and disputes. We have it so often in churches. I, I, I have friends, I have people I've been tempted to do it myself, even as a pastor. Like, I'm just gonna go to another church. And we feel like if we could just change, if we could just get out of this space, I'm gonna arrive there with a fresh start. No, you're not. You're carrying all that conflict baggage. And by the way, everybody at that new church that you found, you love the music, the preaching's great, it's shorter, it's whatever. You go there and you'll find out, oh, by the way, I don't like people here either. I'm not happy here either because there are people there. That's what Christians are. We're just human beings that are sinners. Wherever we go, we're going to carry that baggage with us. That bitterness is going to fester. We walk in fractured. We don't walk in whole. And what Paul is calling us to is healing in those fractured places. Paul knows that this way is the way to real life. It feels like a death. And in some ways it is, because we're following the pattern of Jesus. We are dying to ourselves. I don't have to get my way here. I don't have to prove I'm right. He is actually calling us to life, to a flourishing life, as odd as it may sound. It would be great if we could all handle conflicts and, and disagreements with maturity. These are mature Christian women. It'd be great if we could pull someone off to the side and say, I'm sorry I hurt you. I, I know there's something here and I, I feel like I, I hurt you. I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Can we talk about it? Or to go to somebody, have the courage, the gospel courage to go, knowing you've hurt people too, go up and say, you've hurt me and we need to talk. Can we talk? We need that kind of Maturity, I have to confess, far too often I'm immature. <laughs> my wife Deb's right here. And I have found myself numerous times, I, I can't count them, where I'll go to Deb and I know that I'm wrong and I'll confess, repent, ask for forgiveness. And in the back of my heart, I'm like, man, I hope she comes clean too. Because <laughs> uh, that wasn't all me. You know, I, I go loaded. That's manipulation is what that is. That's not true repentance. That's not a true confession. That's not desiring healing. And I have to go back later and be like, you know, when I apologize earlier, I need to apologize for that. Because <laughs> I didn't mean it. I actually wanted you to own something here. And what's amazing about her, she'll be like, yeah, I, I don't feel like I have anything to own. It was you. And I'll be like, you're exactly right. Yeah. Oh, far too often we don't do this well. Paul does something beautiful here. He says, you're not alone. He calls community. Did you see that? He calls community to come in and help. They, they've not done it well 
alone and on their own. He says, my true companion, I want you to go help them. He goes to someone he knows loves them and loves the church. He's not just trying to keep order. Oh, let's get this thing figured out, man. We gotta get, get, you know, get our I's dotted, T's crossed. Come on, ladies, let's get this. No, no, he's calling a true companion who loves like he loves. And he says, y'all need some help here. Go and help these sisters resolve this conflict. Bring restoration and peace back to the church. It's beautiful. If you have an issue, we all have an issue. If you're hurt, we're all hurt. If you feel alone, all of us are gonna feel that. And what Paul is saying here when he invites this person in is, you're not alone. We've got a whole body here, brothers and sisters, who are here for one another to work through conflicts together. He asked for help. As Christians, we're so bad at this. We're so bad at peacemaking, not just individually. We're bad as a group. <laughs> We're so bad that now there's an entire industry called peacemakers, peacemaking, mediators that solely work in churches. Paul would be like, what? Y'all called somebody from Galatia to come over and help you? Y'all invited somebody from Rome to come and sort this conflict out? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trashing peacemaking. We need it because we're all so bad at it. There are people that are gifted in this area. But Paul's saying within the body of beloved brothers and sisters, work this out and find some mature people who love these folks and love the church who will walk with them and help. The ideal, the model for us is that we would do this together. The gospel doesn't only unite us to God. Please hear this. The gospel doesn't only unite you to our Father in heaven through Jesus. No, it unites us to one another too. He has broken down the walls of hostility between us and God, and he's broken down the walls of hostility between us and one another. And Paul says, work through that. Don't build walls back up. And then the answer to this conflict, I think it's here in the very end. And it's the gospel. Paul says, your name is written in the book of life. All of you, your names are in the book of life. Think about that. He turns his attention away from what's happening right now to this future glory, to what is coming. And he says, your name's already written. There's nothing you're gonna be able to do about it. Isaiah 49 tells us our names are carved into the hands of our Father. Your name is written down. And he's saying both of your names are there. So begin to live now as you're going to live in glory when Jesus comes back. Start to practice this kingdom life here so that when we get there, it's not something completely new. We've actually learned how to love one another properly, how to press into one another's lives. Paul is calling us to live right now in a way that reflects what our future is. You're in Christ now, so let's start living like this. And I wanna ask you this question as we close. Has God laid someone on your heart? Even now, during this service, maybe 
Maybe the Holy Spirit of God is prompting you to think of somebody's name, maybe multiple names, maybe a group of people. A name that, has, that you, can't, you can't shuck and jive and get away from. It's there, and, you know, and you're feeling like, I've got to do something about this conflict. Are you feeling that? You're not alone. If you feel like you're not up to the task, there are people here in this church that you can search out. Now, it has to be someone who can actually step in and help do something about it. It shouldn't be your best friend that also thinks they're awful <laughs> because, you know, you've shared that with them. No, it needs to be someone who loves both of you and the church. Has the Lord maybe put someone on your heart? Perhaps the Holy Spirit of the living God has put someone on your heart that you need to go to and say, I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? I've hurt you. And I want us to work through this conflict. I want to be restored. Is that happening right now? You're not alone. This body right here is built for this. I often say that the church was built for COVID, that we could support one another and make sure that no one falls through the cracks. The church is built for conflict. By the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, God's grace is big enough for all the problems in your life, every single one of them. And he wants to take his love and grace into all the crevices, all the corners, all the places that we hide all the places we don't really want him to touch because that bitterness at times can feel so good, so soothing. But we know that it's caustic and it's wearing us away from the inside. God's grace is big enough. And he wants to saturate your heart and your mind with his grace and free you up by the power of the Spirit to go to these friends, ex-friends, and make them current friends. <laughs> these brothers and sisters that maybe you've been divided from, to go and be restored. Let's do that together. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father in heaven, <clears throat> I thank you that you have given us this passage. I am, oh man, this passage wore me out, Lord. Um, I am the chief of sinners in this area. I need your grace in my life. I haven't gotten it figured out. I thank you that you are so honest with us about the relationships that Paul struggled with. And Lord, we can, we can relate to them. Would you, Lord, show us maybe who you would like for us to approach? Maybe we've been hurt by them or we've hurt them. Uh, perhaps it's just a difference of opinion and, and we've just been driven apart. Would you challenge us, Lord, Drive us toward them so that we can work through conflict and raise up some leaders who would be prepared, Lord, to lead your people through this. We thank you for loving us before we loved you. And we ask, Lord, that we would experience your delight and that we would go to our brothers and sisters and delight in them. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.